Join us in Huntsville, Alabama, on the campus of Oakwood University for the annual Pastoral Evangelism and Leadership Conference. The theme for this year's power-packed event is Whole, putting together the pieces of worship, home, outreach, leadership, and evangelism together. Come and be inspired through uplifting worship, informative seminars, and dynamic preaching from Dr. James Perkins, Dr. Abraham Jules, Pastor Kim Bolgen, Pastor Roger Hernandez, Chaplain Dillis Brooks, Pastor John Coxon, and many more. You cannot afford to miss this annual life-changing conference happening from December 2nd to December 5th. For more information and registration, visit pelkpower.com. That's P-E-L-C-Power.com. Welcome to the Lead Podcast, helping you to get it, grow it, and give it. All right, welcome to the Lead Podcast. Uh, this is Roger Hernandez, uh, your host, and today I have the privilege of interviewing Edwin Vargas. Pastor Vargas, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to, to be part of this podcast. Uh, I'm a, a big fan. I listen to it all the time, so it, it's great to be here. Thank you very much for listening. And today we want to talk about church planting in an urban context. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can, can you start uh, by telling us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and why did you decide to start church planting in an urban context? Well, I've been pastoring over a little over 12 years. Um, I was born and raised in, in Puerto Rico. Um, I've been in around the 12 years here um, pastoring in the United States. And um, I'm currently working on my third church plant. And um, I, we believe that God called us to this. Um, I have a Three beautiful boys. One is 21, other 16. My youngest is 14. And I, and I dream for them to having lots of options of churches where they could go, they could be loved, they could be empowered, challenged. And um, that's one of the main reasons for church planting. It's just really having churches that will uh, challenge and love that next generation. So I I talk to a lot of church planters and a lot of them uh, say also people that got into ministry that they got into ministry not necessarily for themselves but for family members and they they don't they don't want their their kids to go through the same thing they went through when they went to church uh, as a child. So you 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 were raised in the church, right? I was raised in the church until I was around. Um, so I was a preteen, and w- once I was a preteen, I really thought that there was like no reason um, for, for me continuing to be going to church, and that's one of the reasons I, I, I stopped attending. I thought it was irrelevant. I couldn't connect with it. I didn't understand. I didn't uh, think that it had no connection to the things that I was going through in life, so I just stopped, stopped going to church. And then when do you return and Why? I returned to church in my early 20s, actually, uh, maybe late 19. Um, and uh, after making a lot of bad decisions, uh, after um, wondering what was going to happen in, 
in my life. Um, I feel like just the Lord just reached out. He looked for ways to get my attention. He did. And, and then he just brought me in, showed me I was loved, that he had a purpose with me. I mean, I was a high school dropout. Uh, um, I was living out of the streets in Puerto Rico, um, like a lot of the youth do. And, um, and, and until I found the Lord and saw it, it clicked that, that Jesus loved me, that he had died for me, that there was something better than what I was living. And I just fell in love with Jesus, fell in love with his church. And, and every time it was continue to be challenges, like maybe we can reach other people that are going through hard stuff like I was. Uh, so let's talk about church planting in the city. Uh, you planted a church in Portland, Oregon, which mm -hmm. is less than 10% church. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that experience. Uh, what, what were some of the challenges? What were some of the joys of planting in the city? And why uh, we don't need to run away from the city? Uh, instead of leaving the city, we need to love the city. Well, if we look at it uh, missionally and strategically, 80% uh, of all the U.S. population lives in an urban context. 80% is a lot. And, and, it, and it seems like the majority of our churches are not in the city where the people are. So there's, there's a great need, a great opportunity for, for mission there in the cities. Um, one of the, the, the challenges and, and also the joys, I would say, of planting within the city is the, the diversity of worldviews in the city. You know, you have people from all over, from different walks of life, different faiths, and, and they come and they mingle. And so it really challenges us to go deeper into the Word, to, to grow uh, stronger in our faith, and look for ways that are more relevant, more effective in reaching different types of people. And instead of like always preaching or assuming that you're preaching and talking to people that are Christian, you know, it's a complete different environment where you're talking to people that you have no Christian or biblical reference to point out to, you know? So it's, it's one of, one of the challenges, one of the joys. I think also when we look at the urban context, um, we are much more aware of the pain and the need of humanity. Um, I think because the, the more amount of people, you know, gather in one place, it's just more obvious um, the needs and the, and the pain that people are, are going through. Um, and, and one of the things that, that I feel like has helped me grow my faith is once I'm, I'm more positioned in, in, an, in an urban context to do ministry, it's like you're positioned in a perfect place for a miracle because, you know, a planting this church or getting... Uh, helping people to come to Christ in that context is nothing short of a miracle. So you find yourself like praying more, studying scriptures more, just looking for a way to, to really reach uh, the people. And you know that you can't, you can't do it on your own. So you're, you become very, very dependent to the Lord and to prayer, to the reading of scriptures. Yes. I, I found, I have found it odd that 80% of people, Mm -hmm. live live in the city and yep. and we see that and we say yeah let's go let's leave i i've i've i it, that doesn't make any sense to me why people would say let's run away from where people are yeah uh, but but right now somebody's listening to you who is a potential church planter they want mm -hmm. to do something in the city they have a heart for the city what do they do what do you recommend the process for them to be 
what do they need mm-hmm. to do personally and what kind of resources? Because I, I know from knowing you that you had very yeah. little as far as help. Yeah. Well, um, one, of, one of the big things um, is that you need to be sure if, if you're a church planter or you are thinking and you're feeling in your heart that God is calling you to church planting, um, one of the things that you need to be sure is that, that God is calling you and, and that the right motivation, you have the right motivation behind it. Because uh, at times, uh, a church planting can seem uh, very romantic or sexy, but it's, it's, it's really not. I mean, church planting is, is super hard, and I think it's one of the hardest things I've, I've done in, in my life. So, so I think you need to start from there. And having a, a, a conversation, a process where you go to God and, and and he confirms this calling upon your heart because this is going to be really, really, really hard. So if you're like uh, fighting with another church and you're thinking, well, I'll just go to the city and plant my own church, that's not a good reason to, to plant a church. If you're thinking, well, I, I'm preparing to have like a different worship style and I'd rather have a different worship style, therefore I'll go plant a church that caters to my needs. That, that's not reason to plant a church. You know, the, the first thing is you need to be clear. The motivation behind when you're planting a church, and that motivation behind planting a church has always has to be behind what who, who God misses the most. You're there because there's people that do not know the Lord, and you have a love and a passion and a calling and a burden in your heart to go after them. God has called it, put it in your heart, so therefore you go. And, and I think I think that would be the, the first thing. The second thing uh, that I think is super super important. We need to have a strategy in place, and that's something that that was really frustrating to me at first. Because when I first this is this is our, our third church plant, and in the first in the first church plant there in Portland, uh, I went to some of my leaders and I asked, you know, what's what's the blueprint? You know, how do we do this? What's what's the plan for this? And, and they just told me, like Edwin, you you need to pray. And it's like I, I have been praying, I, I've been praying, but what? What, what else? You know, if you go to any business, um, uh, let's say, for example, uh, Starbucks, and, and you ask, hey, I would like to have a Starbucks, uh, and I want, I'd like to, to, to have a, this Starbucks uh, startup in, in XY City, they, they will give you a blueprint exactly from A to Z and how to go about it in order for you to succeed. So, so I believe we have something much more important to offer than, than just coffee, you know? So we should, therefore we should have a strategy in place. We and that doesn't mean that a, a specific model because models can vary from place to place. But we, there's some principles that go across the board that we must follow that we must be aware of before we plant. Because if not, when we don't do that, what we do is a disservice because we form we start forming the DNA of a church without the right ingredients. And instead of becoming a healthy church, it becomes a, a problematic church or, 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 or a sick church, you know? So, so I think that's important. Number one, make sure that God is calling you, that you're for certain that he's calling you. Number two, prepare yourself for that calling. You know, go, uh, go to, to church planting conferences, read books, talk to other church planters, um, go for it. You really learn um, about the subject so you could do, uh, uh, you know, your very best for, for the Lord and the church would be blessed and the city would be blessed because of you. What so, you do. so what would be a couple of books that if somebody's trying to plant a church in the city, you would recommend they read before they attempt it? 
Yes, for sure. Um, there's uh, there's a few that come to mind. There's a, a, a really good book uh, called It's Not Personal, and then it has the personals crossed out, and the tagline is Surviving and Thriving on the Journey of Church Planting. Uh, it's written by Brian and Amy Boyle. It's a, a really good book. Um, uh, anything put out by, by Exponential and Dave Ferguson. There's there one book called Exponential, uh, written by Dave and John Ferguson, are excellent books. Um, when it comes to like specific steps and strategy, um, Aubrey Mulfres wrote a book called uh, The Nuts and Balls of Church Planting. That's another really good book. And um, if you're Adventist, uh, you can go to the NAD Church Planting Bootcamp uh, or uh, the nadchurchplanting.org. That's, um, there's some good uh, um, advice there. And, and, and Roger, I am recently, uh, I am recently launching a YouTube channel called the Urban Church Planter, Urban Church Planter. Um, you can find there, I'm going through different principles of church plant, planting there. We have um, some special guests among them. I'm Anthony Wagner-Smith, uh, the director of the NAD of, of church planting. Um, Steve Letty, amazing uh, church planter. Uh, now um, in, in New York. Also, um, Andres Flores, a uh, great church planter uh, from Chicago, uh, planted uh, uh, a couple of churches, an epic church. Um, that's another good resource. And in that, in that YouTube channel, I'm sharing everything I wish somebody would have told me when I first came to church planting. So if you yeah. look it up, the Urban Church Planter, you'll find some, some good info there. So whatever uh, you're going through, if you're a church planter, whatever you're going through right now, uh, somebody probably has gone through that before. And oh, yeah. you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Now, yeah. one, of the things, one of the things that surprises, surprised me and still surprises me to this day mm-hmm. is, is the reaction of surrounding churches to new church plants. Yeah. Because uh, a new church plant that is trying to reach a demographic that maybe some more established churches are not reaching uh, should bring joy to the hearts because the kingdom of God is being expanded. But I have not found that uh, to be the case. What what was the reaction when you uh, planted a church? What is the reaction in the current church plant and in previous yeah. church plants from surrounding churches? Well, you know, I get mixed reactions, and it's, it's very interesting because a lot of times within your own denomination, uh, um, it's easy to, to find, like, rivalries, you know? Uh, maybe thinking, well, how, how do you, you know, if we're not reaching the, those people, what makes you think that you will reach them, you know? Something like that. So we had some... some uh, um, um, people that have been very upset um, because uh, we have been uh, planting, um, because some people that had um, maybe left their church or were no, no longer attending, uh, wanted to be a part of the church and were actually involved and engaged. Um, so we've had, we've had that, and, it, and it's very sad because at times, you know, to reach different people, you need to use different methods. And at times we, com- we confuse principles for methods. And, and it's easy to point the finger, you know, especially if you're not involved, if you're not there uh, um, every morning praying, if you're not there planning, if you're not 
giving sacrificially to that ministry, maybe it's easier just to point out, you know, things that you don't agree with. Um, but uh, I also had different reactions, and this is a, a very interesting example. I was looking for a place to plant a church, and we found this place that were from another denomination. There were Assemblies of God Church, and uh, we told them what we were doing, what we wanted to do, the people we wanted to reach, and uh, they gladly welcomed us in, and, and listen to this, they would not take rent money from us for the first six months. <laughs> and I could not believe it. I was, I was like, why? Like, but please accept it. You know, we, we have the money, and please accept it. And they were like, no, no, no. We, we believe that by you guys coming here, we're investing in the kingdom of God. Can you imagine that? We, wow. we, were, we were completely blown away by that, um, and it just helps. It really is a humbling experience, you know, as, as, as you see. And, and something that we learned is that when wherever you, God called you to plant, um, I think something that we should be very, very aware of is that Jesus is already at work there. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not the Messiah. We're not coming here to save the day. We're, co- we're coming here to collaborate with what God is doing. And he's already doing stuff. He's already at work with people. At some times, there's with people with our own denominations. Some people are from other denominations. Because God's kingdom is, is bigger than that. And at times, you know, we, we, we have a hard time wrapping our head around that. And, and sometimes we, we realize that as we're invested in serving the city, we realize that God is at work in the least in the place that you would expect. It's, it's a very, very humbling experience. Now, uh, as you preach to, uh, in an urban context, right, you're preaching mm-hmm. to, to people that uh, have busy lives, uh, yeah. you're, preaching, you're preaching to people that, that many of them are upwardly mobile, right? They have better jobs than just mm-hmm. uh, uh, people that, that we usually minister to, uh, because mm-hmm. you, you, you were reaching pe- a lot of professionals, a lot of young professionals. Mm-hmm. What talk to me about your sermon preparation? What kind of topics do you choose? How do you prepare your messages? What connects to an urban context is, as far as preaching is concerned? Um, well, there's a couple of things. One of the things I, I, um, that I've learned is that uh, before talking to to people or unbelievers on church, however we call them, I, I think it's important for us to listen first. We need to listen to them. We need to, to relate to them first, to get to know them, to love them first, because it's so much easier to talk to someone that you love and deeply care about than just to a random person. So, so, so that's something that, 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 that I learned uh, first. Secondly, um, I, I had to relearn everything I knew about, about preaching, uh, about uh, um, homiletics. It really, uh, a great book uh, uh, that helped me with that was Communicating for a Change by Andy Stanley. It, it, was, it was incredibly helpful in not assuming that they're, that, people, that they're Christian people there, but assuming that they're unbelievers there, that they have no biblical background. And they just really helped me to, to prepare the sermon. They said, okay, if I'm talking to this professional, you know, they're highly educated, but maybe biblically illiterate. How can I uh, communicate effectively um, to these people? And um, and and recently, um, 
I learned something from Pastor Andres Lodes from Epic Church in Chicago that I think was it was huge. Uh, it, it, it was identifying cultural narratives. What are the cultural narratives from from the city? So there, there, and what I, what we mean by that by cultural narratives is that every city has like a uh, a narrative, a story they tell about important things. For example, they they have a narrative of of, of what is good, what is real, what is important, what is true, what is beautiful. So, and, and we we need to exegete that culture and understand what are those narratives. And as we understand those narratives, okay, we get, it, it, it's amazing to take some of the things that that we can look at those scriptures and say, okay, this. This is great. You know, this we can affirm as a church. He said, this thing right here we can affirm as Christians. And, and then ask ourselves, uh, how does the gospel speak in some of those narratives that are inaccurate, that are false narratives about what's good, about what's real, what's important, what's true, what's beautiful? And, and really speak the gospel into those narratives because those false narratives leave people unsatisfied. You know, like the narrative of, you know, you, you, you find love sleeping around, you know, that the sleeping around leaves people unsatisfied. So the gospel speaks to that. So how can I speak to that narrative, you know, that, that, that people are, are living in? How can I, I add, add value to that narrative in, in the culture and create culture within, within the city? And, and while we do that, we seek to remove every obstacle other than the gospel. So people could understand. So if it's my preference, my tradition, whatever it is, if it's specific time that we need, we remove all obstacles other than the gospel so people can, can get to know their Savior. Yeah, yeah, because the gospel in itself is offensive, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's stumbling block. So, but we yeah. don't want to create artificial barriers, man-made exactly. barriers that, exactly. you know, hoops people have to... Uh, jump through. I remember when I visited your church in Portland, you only had, I think, like four elements in your worship service. Um, mm -hmm. Talk to me about why you did that, why you eliminated most of the preliminaries, and why you structured your worship service the way you did. Um, well, the, we, we try to keep it, keep it simple and, and direct to what we want to do. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you bring a guest to your home, that does not know you, and you sit them down and you tell them all your family plans for that week, the budget, your grocery list. I mean, that person most likely won't won't visit you again. Yeah. But if, but if you but if you bring a person to your you know to your home and, and you treat them well, you form a relationship with them, you communicate effectively, and most likely they'll have a good experience and they'll they'll want to to come again. So we strip down. The, the worship service to what is essential. So if we can communicate announcements some other way, we will communicate announcements some other way. There's a way to do that, especially in the era of communication that we're in today. So, so we just kick down to the bare essential things, and, and we think that those things are, are worship, um, speaking, the, um, the truth, the opportunity for, to be interactive for prayer, intercession, um, asking questions, yeah, that's and, and that's it. Yeah, so, so I I remember basically it was just like uh, you had you sat you had uh, your worship time you had prayer time you had uh, um, the sermon and then an opportunity for people to give and I found it 
uh, to be streamlined. Sometimes I'm in churches, and mm -hmm. it's you know 30 minutes of announcements. I'm like, what 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 in the world is happening here? Like people don't yeah. come to your church. People don't come to your church to hear about the next car wash. They come to hear about Jesus. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's true, especially when you're living in the city. Everything is so fast paced. You know, uh, um, people value greatly their time, and they feel they feel that they're wasting their time. That that they that it was not helpful. Not necessarily that they had to agree with everything that you said, but if something was not helpful, it was worth their time getting in the uh, subway, getting in the bus, uh, walking, getting the Uber, getting to their place, and find something helpful. If it wasn't helpful, it's most likely that they won't come back. So in the in the city, you see uh, all this, this uh, inequality in the city. You see, because, mm -hmm. e because every, everything is, is, uh, is, is magnified, so you see... Yeah like the poorest of the poor and you see the richest of the rich. So you mm -hmm. see like house housing inequality, you see racism, you see um, the division, you see discrimination, you see uh, conflict. Um, what, if anything, does your church do to address some of the social justice issues of the city? Do you stay away from that? Do you engage it? How do you engage it? What's your process uh, to alleviate suffering in the city? So we, we have decided that we are engaging it head on because our, our vision is to become a, a diverse gathering of Christ followers seeking the good of the city. That's, that's our vision. And, and therefore, there are things like uh, poverty, inequality, uh, racism, that we decided, okay, these are things that we're not going to shy away from that need to be addressed, and we as a church need to find ways to talk about these things. So one of the first things that we did is that within our worship service, we separated some time to have specific conversations. Um, we, during our soft launch process, we invited uh, an African-American church from the community to come And, and, and tell us their stories of how, how, how they dealt with racism. What, what, does that, what has it meant for their families? You know, as Adventist Church, is, um, you know, that we, that we deal with uh, uh, state conferences and regional conferences, how, how has that affected them? And it was very interesting, you know, as people had, had this conversation, you know, from their personal lives, you know, other people that did not go through these things, listen to them and you know there were some tears shed there was some uh, very significant prayer time um we also in invited uh, people that that deal with specific issues of homelessness of mental health of sex trafficking uh, of uh, just poverty in general to to really explain and communicate and we have these conversations and and as we do that then we go out and we are involved in meeting some of these needs, because some of the needs are very obvious, like homelessness, for example. Um, the place where we're renting, it turns into a women's shelter every other month, so where they are serving, like um, tomorrow we will be there serving, uh, uh, it becomes a women's shelter, uh, so we'll be there they're serving their food for them tomorrow. Um, and just having, being aware of, of what is happening, what can we do, What should we do and what will we do? 
and asking ourselves those three three questions that, that are very um, important as where, where we're going to channel our, our resources, well, what are some of the gifts and talents that God has given us as a body that we can, you know, engage with some of the needs there in the community. And what's interesting is that we see um, uh, poor people, homeless people coming along and having worship with us, and we see people that are uh, very wealthy coming along as well, worshiping in the same space, um, committed to the same causes, uh, um, asking some of very similar questions, um, and we have more in common that we, we might not think. Do do you do you find it uh, because m many of the and this is going to be almost our last question. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but do you find it uh, uh, that most of the memberships because this happens in many of the cities, the membership lives in the suburbs, comes to mm -hmm. the city to worship and leaves, right? So mm -hmm. they don't have a, they don't have a presence in the community. How do you how do you fight that? How do you combat that? How how do you change that? Well, we just dr yeah. dri drive in and worship and go. We're, cur we're currently um, fighting that. Um, one, of, one of the big things, and, and this takes a high level of commitment, one of the big things is we need people living in that specific, not, not only specific city, but that specific neighborhood. We need to invest ourselves more in the neighborhood. And rather than make all these activities so people can come, the, the city is already full of activity. We need to infiltrate those activities and start living life with people and invest ourselves with, 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 with the city and have skin in the neighborhood. Because now when I talk about the neighborhood, I'm not talking about your neighborhood over there. I'm also talking about my neighborhood. This is where my wife lives. This is where, where my kids live. And that's super important. So we're, we're, we've been challenging, and it's amazing how uh, young people, millennials, respond to this challenge, uh, challenging people to come and, and invest in the city and, and invest, invest their lives to move into the city um, and, and really live life with the people and care for the people and build relationships there. And once we do that, you know, things take a, a different turn. We're currently in that process. We have uh, one, we have three families um, living here, and we're praying that for two more that will move into the city, um, that so we can build, you know, uh, with those relationships and, and really win more people for the kingdom. All right. Well, our guest today has been Edwin Vargas. Edwin, can if somebody wants to reach out uh, to you, I know you've had. Uh, a wealth of experience. You've done this already uh, for over 10 years, so you you can help some people that have questions. How would somebody reach you? You can reach me at the urbanchurchplanter.com, urbanchurchplanter.com. You could also look for our YouTube channel there, urbanchurchplanter.com. Um, and we will be more than happy to, you know, to talk with you, to pray for you, and to point you out to some uh, uh, amazing resources. All right. Well, our guest has been Edwin Vargas. He's a church planter right now in, in Colorado, previously in Portland. Thank you, Edwin, for being with us today. We'll seek to talk to you again sometime. Thank you for having me. It's great what you're doing. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to The Lead Podcast. My name is Ryan Becker. I'm one of the co-hosts and producer of this podcast, and we really appreciate your support. 
If you want to subscribe, then you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, any of your favorite podcatching apps. And if you do subscribe on iTunes, then we just ask that you please leave a review. That really helps us out to know what we can do better and the things that you are already enjoying, the things that we can continue doing. Make sure you do subscribe and leave a review because we're always doing giveaways and that really uh, that's the way that we do it is we do it for those who have left a review. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback for the show, you can email us, leadsupodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter, Roger Hernandez at leadsu, and myself at Ryan180Becker. Thank you guys so much for listening and supporting. Without you, this is not possible. We'll see you next time. 